Coffee with Colby, episode 20. Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to today's episode of Coffee with Colby, the show that's about helping you put your best foot forward on your professional path. In the time it takes to enjoy a single cup of coffee, we are going to cover the challenges that crop up in the workplace and how to balance your career and your personal life. This is all the stuff you need to know that they didn't teach you in school. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I'm Colby Reed, and this is my show. And before we dive into this week's topic, as always, quick reminder, if you've got two seconds, would really appreciate if you would pop open your iTunes account and give us a five-star review. You can do it through your phone, through your iPad, on your desktop. That's going to help raise our show up when people are searching for career-focused content and help more people find uh, find these episodes. Also, if you like what we're, we're sharing here, you think it would be of use to your network, really would appreciate if you would share it out on your social media. And hey, if you've got an idea for a future topic for an episode or a question, uh, please don't hesitate to hit, up, hit me up on Twitter. I am at Colby Reed, C-O-L-B-Y-R-E-A-D-E. Would love to chat with you there. Now, down to the business of this week's episode. Last week's episode was all about the importance of investing in your health and how your health is going to impact your performance at work and also really how you go about living your life. And as a follow-on to that, I want to get into some of the ways that you can invest in your health. Last week, we talked about some examples of how your health can kind of get in the way if you're not being careful. Today, I want to talk about how you actually go about living a healthier lifestyle in the modern workplace because when I actually, after I posted last week's episode, I, I got into some Twitter exchanges with folks and, and one of the, the big questions that came up over and over and over again was, Yes, we all need to live a healthier lifestyle, but how do you go about actually doing that? And that is a very common complaint, particularly for new graduates. When you're moving from college uh, or high school into the workplace, it's a, it's a bit jarring, particularly moving from college into the, the workplace, because when you're in college, you have a lot of control over your daily schedule. You might have a couple classes, but you can pick, I mean, you can... For the most part, you can pick when those are, you know, if you have a Tuesday, Thursday schedule, a Monday, Wednesday schedule, just a couple classes each day. If you're morning classes, if they're afternoon classes, you've also got a lot of free time. You may only be in class two or three hours a day. You can pick when you study. Um, if you've got a, a, a job, you know, it's likely it's a part-time job. You've got, you know, some flexibility there. You, you're able to go to the gym. You're able to exercise. You're able to see your friends. You've got this very kind of fluid lifestyle, and I want to I want to stress: no one is saying that college is is easy by any stretch of the imagination. College, high school, um, you know, any level of education is is a challenge. I'm just saying that in terms of setting your schedule and how you live your life, you've got some flexibility. When you then move into the you know the the quote unquote real world, um, and don't get me started on that phrase. I've, I think I've said it before on this podcast. I hate that whole, we're moving into the real world, trying to juggle, you know, 18 credits and a part-time job and probably a relationship of some kind and family and get your laundry done is plenty real world. Students know what the real world looks like. Thank you very much. Um, I digress. Um, but when you, when you make that transition into the professional world, now all of a sudden you're working, you know, nine to five, which these days is more like eight to six. Um, you may or may not have a lunch break. You are going to be sitting in an artificial environment most of the day. You're going to be sitting, first of all, most of the day when you're used to being up and moving around. 
And there's tons of research that shows that sitting actually has some significant long-term health side effects. Um, that's part of the reason why companies have been you know, on this big push of standing desks and walking breaks and things like that. But so you're sitting, you're in artificial light, you don't have fresh air, um, you're getting up, you know, you're probably getting up earlier, you're going to bed later, um, you're tired, you're more run down, um, it's dip more difficult to figure out when you're going to exercise, when you're going to see your friends, um, you're dealing with a whole new level level of stress because you're in this environment where instead of it being about, okay, am I going to pass or am I going to fail? Am I going to get fired or not? Am I going to be able to pay my rent this month? Um, it's, it's a big, it's a big transition and there is no manual. There's no guidebook. There's no, there's no orientation session at a company where they go, okay, first we're going to tell you about your 401k and your health benefits. And then we're going to spend an hour about how to keep you healthy, which Another side note, I think is kind of a mistake because I, I think that companies need to understand that healthy employees are productive employees. And I think that if, if companies were to really invest in that and the companies that have really invested in that have seen the dividends it pays, companies that really invest in not just making sure that their their employees can avoid chronic illness, but really can live a healthy lifestyle, I believe you're going to see that pay long-term dividends for the company. But again, not the topic of today's show. Today's show is how you as the individual can go about living a more healthy lifestyle. And I have six specific things that I want you to focus on. And this is true, particularly for younger professionals that are just adjusting to the, to the workplace. But if you're making a career jump, you're going to find yourself in kind of a similar situation. You're going to be moving into a new office. You're going to be meeting new coworkers. You're going to be setting new boundaries. You're probably going to spend the first six months on pins and needles trying to prove yourself in, in your role. So a lot of these are going to apply to you as well. Really, these apply to anyone at any point in their career, but we're going to focus on those two specific groups because that's who this podcast is mainly geared towards. So I have six tips for how to go about living a more healthy lifestyle in the modern workplace. Um, and the first one, the biggest one really, is to build a team of doctors. And what I mean is when you first start a job and you get on your new health insurance benefits, they encourage you to you know, have your annual physical and establish a relationship with a GP. And, and the goal here, and this is from both your employer's perspective and the healthcare perspective, the, the healthcare provider's perspective is they want you to have one doctor that you have a relationship with that you have that can get to know you over the long haul. So five, 10, 15 years from now, if something serious comes up, they have a frame of reference. They've tracked your vitals. They've tracked your numbers. They know kind of, you know, this is where this data point is supposed to live in. Oh, it's, it's elevated now. What, what do we do about this? And I think that that's a great idea, but I think that's only a half step and you need to take a full step. And here's what I mean. Um, when I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, I went uh, first to my GP, and she ordered a test and the test came back elevated and I went to a GI doc and a really good GI doc, a really smart GI doc who did uh, a colonoscopy and uh, confirmed, yes, you have Crohn's disease. And from his perspective, the, the medicine that he knew and understood and his frame of reference, the response was to go on a significant medication for the rest of my life that was going to have potentially serious uh, side effects. Um, it, it basically shuts off your immune system. And so you're more susceptible to infection. You're more susceptible to cancer. It, it's 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 no joke. Um, it's also super expensive and it makes you feel like garbage while you're getting it. So that didn't really 
feel like a great response. Um, I wound up also meeting with a naturopath. And as I mentioned, my wife is very involved in the, the health community and um, very plugged into those kinds of things and, and trained in that area. And so she was able to kind of help guide me on this as well. And in talking with my naturopath and my wife and some other folks, I started to see that this was could be you know a lifestyle thing, this could be a diet thing, this could be a nutrition thing, an exercise thing. There's a lot of different elements that play in here. And so I didn't have to go the route of you know, what the, the GI doc said, I didn't have to go straight to the medication. And I'm happy to say, knock on wood, that, you know, a year after my diagnosis, I'm effectively in remission. Um, you know, I, I don't have any symptoms and I've managed it through diet and lifestyle. Um, I haven't had to go on the serious medications. I may at some point. Um, but what's great about this is I developed a team. I have a GI doc who I know and who I trust and can do the tests that only a GI doc can do. I have someone who understands nutrition and lifestyle. I have someone who understands, you know, supplementation in that aspect of the business. I have someone uh, who understands, I've, I've, I work with a personal trainer and a physical therapist who understands what my body is going through from a muscle development standpoint, because one of the challenges with Crohn's disease is your body goes into a nutrient deficiency and your muscles all atrophy. Um, so I was throwing out my back every, you know, every month. Um, just like coughing. Um, it was, it was that bad, but now I have people that understand what my body's going through and can help me rebuild. You want to establish this team early on. So you may not need somebody right away, but food allergies, food sensitivities, um, illnesses, all kinds of things can crop up at any point in our lives. And if you've already got a team of people around you that you know and you trust and you built those relationships, it is so much easier to then put a plan of action into place as opposed to, okay, now I've been diagnosed as celiac. Who do I go to, 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 to get help with this. I've been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. What do I do about this? Who do I go? Who do I go to? So for me, when I'm looking at somebody, I think that you need to have, you know, a, a GP kind of a, you know, that's a traditional medicine, you know, um, you know, yearly physical, you know, touch base with once or twice. They can also refer you to specialists within your network, within your, your health insurance company. Um, you need to have somebody that is specifically dialed in on your nutrition. And this can either be a nutritionist or like a naturopath or somebody like that. Somebody that really understands, um, you know, the, 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 what you're putting in your body. Um, and there's another episode here, but I would also suggest that you get somebody that is thinking about things in terms of, you know, organic versus non-organic foods and, you know, understands the difference between paleo and keto and vegan and vegetarian and all that. There are some nutritionists out there that are going to tell you, okay, you need to have six servings of bread and you need to have, you know, you know, three servings of meat and stick to the USDA food, food pyramid, as opposed to people that have really done the research into what your body, your individual body, your personal, um, you know, challenges need from a nutrition standpoint. Um, you need to have, I would recommend having somebody who understands the physiological aspect of your body. So this is like a trainer, a physical therapist, a chiropractor, um, you know, somebody that if you've got an ache or a pain or you throw your back out or something, they can help you on that end of recovery. Um, and also I think it's really smart to invest in finding somebody from a mental health standpoint. So a counselor, therapist, somebody like that. You may not need therapy right now. You may feel like things are perfectly fine, but mental health issues are no joke and they're becoming more and more prevalent and people are more and more open to talking about those things. And 
when you need to talk to somebody, finding the right person can be can be a challenge. So if you invest now and find you know taking six months, you know meet with a couple of different people and find somebody that you're comfortable with, then when an issue comes up, it's far easier to just make an appointment as opposed to starting from square one. So now that you built your team of doctors, the second tip that I have for you is to focus on your meal planning and your meal prepping. One of the great things about the modern office is there's a lot of food. Like companies figured out that it behooves them to have snacks on hand. Um, employees that, you know, if you're getting, you know, free granola bars in the, the break room or, you know, if lunch is being brought in, then A, it's a morale boost. And two, you don't necessarily feel like you need to go out looking for those things. The challenge is very few companies are stocking stuff that's really healthy. Um, a lot of the time you're going to walk through the break room and it's going to be, you know, donuts or pastries from the client meeting this morning or, you know, a two hour old sandwich or, you know, a bag of chips or something or randomly, you know, someone in accounting who likes to garden and they brought in a giant bowl of zucchini or something like that. Yeah, seriously, around like fall and spring, people who garden bring in just baskets of like one fruit or vegetable that they've been growing and they have way too much of, but they don't want to throw it away. So like one day I'll walk in and they'll be like, oh, I have an entire bushel of cherries to give away or I have an entire bushel of tomatoes. Um, but when it comes to your food, if you have stuff on hand that you like and that's healthy for you, you are going to be far less tempted to snack. And that snacking is actually what causes a lot of people to gain weight. It's very common for people to come out of school, go into the workplace, they stop exercising, they're in an artificial environment, they're they're not moving all day, they're stressed, and they're snacking on, they hit the candy dish at the front desk, they, you know, will do, you know, a, a Starbucks coffee that's loaded with, with, you know, sugar and full fat milk, and then they'll do a, you know, they'll have half of a croissant that's left over in the, the break room that they don't even really want, but it's there and it looks good, and then put on, you know, 15, 20 pounds and not feel healthy and feel sluggish and all that. And again, going back to my previous episode, that's not about anyone being a specific size or fat shaming or anything like that. That is 110% just about when the average person gains weight, they don't feel good. There are people who need to gain weight. There are people who do not need to gain weight. There are people who can gain weight and it doesn't matter. That's not the point I'm making. So what I'm a big proponent of, and I'm really lucky here because in addition to being completely brilliant, my wife is an amazing chef and she likes to cook and she likes to meal prep. So she does this for our family. But even when she's, you know, out, she'll be at a conference or something like that. Or, you know, even before we were together, something that I would try and do every weekend is I would think about, okay, what do I actually want to eat this week? And what do I want to have on hand and try and bulk prep it on Saturday or Sunday. So when Monday or Tuesday rolls around or Wednesday, I'm not frantically trying to find food when I'm at work because when you're hungry and you're stressed and you're busy, that's when you go and get a slice of pizza or a hot dog or a burger or something like that. But if you've got something on hand that you know you like and is filling and tasty, you're not going to need to do that. So it saves you money and it's healthier. So, you know, things like pick like a chili recipe or a stew or something like that and crock pot it. Or if you want to be super trendy, Instapot it. Um, we have an Instapot. My wife swears by it. I've never cooked with either one, but 
she says the Instapot is amazing. So, uh, you know, if you can pick one or two recipes that you can just throw together on a Sunday and then eat on throughout the week, it makes things far easier for you during your day to day. Um, you also need to invest in your snacks, having a stash of snacks at your desk because, no one eats just three meals anymore. No one says, okay, I'm going to have my breakfast, my lunch, and my dinner. Everyone snacks and everyone should snack based on the, the, the science of, of the human body. If you have stuff in your drawer that's healthy and that you like and that you would choose, you're more likely to go for that than the half-day-old croissant that's sitting in the break room. Um, and I want to underscore that point, stuff that you really like. This is for your lunch and for your snacks. It's important to eat healthy, but it's also important to have stuff that you actually like. How many of us, I'm raising my hand around, along with the rest of you, how many of us have said, I'm going to eat healthy this week. I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to buy tons of salad and tons of vegetables and that's what I'm going to eat. And then you take your salad to work and lunchtime comes around and you toss the salad in the garbage and you go get you know, a cheesesteak or something like that. You gotta pick stuff. Like for me, I love chili. I love my wife. My wife makes this amazing beef stew. Um, you know things like that. I when when I was a bachelor, I would love you know just teriyaki chicken. So just a chicken breast with some teriyaki sauce and some broccoli. Super easy, healthy, good for me filling. You know all all of the above. So think about the foods that you're actually going to eat and are going to be good for you and make you feel good for your lunch and for your snacks. Get them and, and have them on hand. It's also helpful when you do that because you kind of have this game with yourself now where you can say, okay, I'm instead of eating that, if, if I can avoid eating that half, half of a croissant that I don't even want, I'm going to get myself the really good gluten-free, dairy-free chocolate chip cookies that are like a dollar a piece but are totally worth the splurge, and I'm going to have those in my desk. So that's what I'm going to have this afternoon instead of this you know, croissant that's going to make me feel like hot garbage. Um, anything that you can do to provide yourself with nutrition throughout the day that you will actually consume and will sustain you is going to help your mood. It's going to help your energy. It's going to help your focus. And also it's going to help your pocketbook. Um, eating out, you know, these days is not cheap. Um, so that's tip number two. Tip number three is, uh, to invest in exercise that you enjoy, um, one of the big challenges, as I mentioned, is you go from this environment where you have complete flexibility and often a lot of opportunities to try different things. When you're a student, even if your school doesn't offer a lot of programs, like when I was at, at Oregon, um, you know, we had every kind of dance class you could mention, every kind of fitness class you could you could imagine. Even if you don't have that, even if you're at a small school that doesn't have a great you know phys ed department, local places will all often offer, you know, student discounts. All that goes away when you become, you know, a full-fledged adult in the quote-unquote real world. So, but think about the exercise that you're actually going to enjoy. If you just invest in a gym membership and you don't really like going to the gym, you're not going to go and you're going to waste money on it and you're not going to exercise. But if you're really into dance, find an adult dance class and sign up for, you know, two or three sessions a week. If you are really into CrossFit, find a gym that, that you really like. If you really like to run, you know, think about the, ex, the something physical for your body. Don't worry about, I need to be a certain shape or a certain size. Just something that allows you to get out, elevate your heart, heart rate, work through your stress, burn off some cortisol, you know, do the things that are going to make you feel alive. Um, invest in that. And then also, when you do that, think about it in terms of a time that's actually going to work for your schedule. Are you somebody that is an early bird and can work out before 
um, work out before you have to go into the office? And if so, is this an option that will be available to you? Um, I, for example, am an early morning guy. Like I get up and go to the gym at four o'clock in the morning every day because that's what works with my schedule. And so I have, I have my membership for 24 hour fitness and I have my playlist that I really like. And that's, that's my jam. Um, my wife is really into bar. And so she goes and, and it works with her because they've got childcare, um, right there in the studio. She's able to, you know, make it work with the kiddo schedule. So it fits for her. Um, you know, there are people that I work with that are really into CrossFit and they have an evening CrossFit class that they like to do after they go to dinner. They, they come home, they have dinner with their family and then they go work out. So figure out the schedule and the activity that really works for you and book that, make that a priority because science has shown that stress, one of the, one of the best ways to defeat stress which is one of the things that's going to weigh you down and cause fatigue and cause weight gain and cause all these issues is exercise. It burns off the cortisol. It burns off the stress in it physically burns it out of your system. So make sure that you're investing in your exercise. Tip number four is an expansion of tip number three. And that is throughout the day, take walking breaks. Um, we are not designed, human beings are not designed to sit at a table, sit at a desk for nine hours a day and do, and just sit and type. We have to get up and move. Um, science has also shown that in, that workers who sit and work for nine hours straight are less productive than workers who break it up. Um, the mind can only focus for so long before it starts to lag. So what I do is pretty much every day, once in the morning and usually once in the afternoon, I will take 10 to 20 minutes, same time it would take somebody to smoke a cigarette, and I will get up, and I also don't drink coffee, so you know it could also work as a coffee break. I'll get up, and there's a park near our office, and I'll just do a quick lap around the, the park. Or when it's raining, I will actually walk two or three times just around our floor. Um, it gets me up. It gets my energy going. It lets my eyes refocus. It lets my brain think on other things. And also, that's when I have some of my best ideas for projects. Um, there's, I don't know if you've ever watched, if you ever watched the episode, uh, watched the TV show Mad Men, you know that Don Draper, who's a high-powered advertising executive had this habit of when he was dealing with a challenge, he would go to the movies when he had a really challenging client, he would get up and go to the movies, which seems counterintuitive, but there's actually science that shows that when the way our brain works, there's a kind of the stuff that we're focusing on in the forefront and stuff that's work, the stuff that we're thinking about in the back of our minds. And when we're, when we really focus on a problem and then we get up and we do something else, it allows that problem to shift and kind of work in the background and our brain is still thinking about it in a different way. And that's why you get these brainstorms when you're in the shower or, you know, as you're going to bed or something like that, it's because you're not, you, you've been thinking about it, thinking about it, you got all the data up front and then you shift it into the other section of your brain. That's another side benefit of just this getting up and moving once or twice a day. Um, if you're going to leave your building and you're relatively new to your, your job, I would do this cautiously at first. I don't believe it's going to harm your productivity at all. But what you do not want is you do not want to, to go off on a walk and your boss come to your desk and say, where's Sarah or where's John? So what I would suggest is perhaps mention to your boss in your in your next one-on-one that this is something that you want to do and, and you know find the the, you know, find one of the studies that talks about the, you know, the value of walking and just say, Hey, 
um, you know, I'm, I'm going to try this out. So, you know, I was thinking, you know, taking five or 10 minutes twice a day to kind of get up and just stretch my legs. Um, do you want me to stop by your desk before I do? I'll, I'll have my cell phone in case anything comes up, but you know, just want to make sure you're okay with that. And then if they have any concerns, you can talk it through, but I can't imagine that they would. Um, the fifth tip, because this is going much, this episode is going much longer than, uh, than I expected. So I want to kind of pick things up here. Uh, the fifth tip is drink water. Um, seems relatively simple, but dehydration again has a physical impact on your body. And when we, when we're hydrated, we think better. We're more alert when we're dehydrated, we're tired, we're more fatigued. Uh, we can have memory fog, things like that. So invest in a, in a water bottle that you're really going to drink out of, um, that you really like, you know, that looks really cool. Um, my wife, uh, just spoiled me with a swell bottle. Um, I don't know if you've seen them, but those are those aluminum metal ones that are really popular right now, um, from the Facebook campus. So it's got the Facebook logo on it and it's really cool looking. Um, but you know, invest in, you know, it's, water bottles, what, $20 pick something that you're actually going to drink out of something that you're, you're going to carry with you that you're going to like seeing on your desk. Um, and make sure, make a point, set a reminder on your phone. There's apps out there that will remind you to hydrate, do whatever you have to do to make sure that you're drinking enough water throughout the day. And the sixth tip to how to how to live a healthier life in the modern modern workplace um, is to use your FSA. I talked about this on a previous episode, um, but a flexible an FSA is your flexible spending account. You might have um, an HSA, which is a health savings account, and you may, in some instances, these are these are a little bit more rare, but you might have an HRA, which a health which is called a health reimbursement account. These are basically accounts that allow you to put money into them pre-tax and then pay for medical expenses. Um, the benefit is you're going to pay for it anyway. First of all, if, if you've got medical expenses and you're going to pay for them anyway, if you do them tax-free, you're saving 20 to 40% depending on your bracket. So it's just a good cost savings maneuver. What I've also found, and this is something my wife and I do, is we set it at the beginning of the year. We'll put you know $1,200 or whatever into our, into our FSA. That money's coming out before our, before I get my paycheck. So then we sit down and we look at the paycheck and we set our budget off, off of that. That money is just sitting there and it's going to go to waste if we don't use it. So that incentivizes us to say, okay, I've already basically paid for this. I really should go make that appointment with my, with a, with a mental health counselor. I really should make that appointment with my GI doc because, you know, I've been having these, you know, digestive issues or something like that. If you're looking at just forking over $50 or $100 or whatever your deductible is, you're not going to be as compelled to go spend that money. But if you've already got it set aside, it's basically out of pocket, out of mind, and in a way it's kind of free, you're far more likely to take advantage of that. So make sure that as you're, if you're just starting at a new job, or even if you've been at a new job and you haven't really thought this through, now is the time of year when companies are doing um, elections for healthcare. Um, this is when you're going to be picking your insurance plan for next year and that kind of thing. So this is also when most companies are going to say that you have to make your decision about whether you want to have an FSA and if so, how much you want to put into it or an HSA um, or an HRA or anything like that. Um, so now is really the perfect time to be thinking about that and say, okay, I want to set aside 
$600 or $400 or $1,000 or whatever. Talk to your HR person about this. Make sure you understand your plan. Sometimes money can be rolled over year over year. Um, sometimes it's use it or lose it. Um, Take some time to really think about what are your medical expenses going to be, what do you want to invest in, and how much money you need. Um, but make sure you do that before you make those elections. And with that, that brings us to the end of our six tips for today and the end of episode 20. Don't worry, episode 21 will be on its way before you know it. Uh, in the meantime, would again love if you would give us that five-star review on iTunes. If you've got a question, topic for a future show, if you like what you're seeing, hit me up on Twitter at Colby Reed. Otherwise, uh, I'm Colby Reed. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk next time.